Hello, and welcome back to Help Me Find My Way. Unless if this is your first time listening, then welcome. This is part two of a series on burnout. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, I would recommend you go back and listen to that. I ended last episode with, I mean, I'm not going to call it a cliffhanger. It wasn't like that big of a deal, but it was an unanswered question. And I'm not going to lie. I'm very tempted to just bail on answering that question because it's overwhelming and it's not very exciting. And I feel like I have to work really hard to make it exciting for you. But I vowed to not make a podcast like the show Lost. I don't know if you remember Lost, if you were a fan, if you watched it. But uh, such a great show, right? For such a long time. But then the list of unanswered questions just started growing and growing and like unresolved things. If you Google why was Lost such a bad show, (laughs) I just Googled it. And uh, there's so many articles out there. This is a really big deal to people. Um, And I actually need to read just one of them. This one's entitled, The Story Arcs Never Ended. The key to long-running TV shows are simultaneous story arcs. Ideally, one arc should be wrapping up while another is in full swing, with the next one clearly on the horizon. Lost never wrapped up any story arc. Thank you. Instead, left viewers hanging while distracting them something wildly off topic. This article's grammar is wrong. Anyways, uh, it was so bad that I started like putting notes in my phone of like things that I was waiting to be resolved. And they never were. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, I, I will attempt to answer the questions that I ask, even if I regret asking them. Now, I will give myself the liberty to modify them. You know, this podcast is called Help Me Find My Way. I've started this at a very inconvenient time in my life. I didn't start this from a place of, hey, I have it figured out. I found the answers. I'm going to start a podcast and give all the answers. I started it from, man, I feel really lost. And I want to work on myself and start to or I would say continue. It's not like I'm just starting to deal with some of these things that have paralyzed me for a long time. So the question that I asked last episode that I want to run from is after I've identified what stress feels like for me, can I trace it to a place that it's coming from? Or can I make a list of where my stress comes from? The reason I want to answer this question is to then maybe come up with a plan to reduce stress. Quick reminder that stress and tension are okay. I'm more talking about chronic stress in regards to burnout. So if I don't learn how to build in rhythms of rests into my life and ways to recoup and go with the ebb and flow of what is unavoidable, the tension of life, then that stress will be continual. I'll be irritable, agitated, and even like my response to Small things can be exaggerated in just like way out of proportion. A quick disclaimer, I'm figuring this out in real time. So if you're following along with me, one thing I would advise against is spending so much time exhausting this list of where stress comes from. For me, I got really hyper-focused on that. If I could do it differently, I'd go back and I would have maybe simultaneously asked the question, what is the opposite of stress? like calmness and peace, where does that come from? And what are some things that I can do to bring that about? 
that way I could have balanced out my work a little bit because being so focused on stress, it really weighed me down. So just a warning. I literally just tried to make a beat just for this section to make this more exciting. (laughs) It's so bad I'm trying to avoid this, but I remembered uh, I took Charlie Puth's songwriting class and this is a track I made for that. So this is going to accompany me. One last thing worth mentioning before I share this list. If you've never heard of a sine wave, it's a complete cycle that starts at zero, goes up, imagine a roller coaster, then it goes down, passes zero into the negative. Then at the bottom, it curves back up and comes back to zero. If you're a visual learner and not a hearing learner, I'm really sorry, I can't help you out. But the things that I'm about to share are from a snapshot of what I would call the negative part of that sine wave cycle. There's a natural rhythm to my life, seasons where I'm functioning pretty well and um, it's kind of like I'm riding a wave and I'm not struggling as much. But then in that negative part of the wave below zero, that's the place where I feel like I'm in survival mode and I'm just treading water, I'm trying not to drown, and that's where chronic stress and burnout just flare up. So here are some of the things that I identified as to where my stress comes from. There's different categories and some are outside of my control and some are within my control but outside of my self-control, if that makes sense. And my apologies in advance if this is a little hard to follow or seems scattered, but please stick around to the end. There's a couple things that I learned that I'm really excited to share. Okay, here we go. The first category that I want to share is a monstrosity for me personally. It goes against like my instincts as a artistic creative person. Um, I grouped it all together and it's, uh, let's see here, time management, organization, setting goals, task prioritization, decision-making, and focusing on one thing at a time. This is really about setting boundaries and honoring them. I've read a lot of great books on these different topics, but this is definitely a prime example for me of a gap between information and practicing and application. You know, these things are hard for me for a few reasons. One is I go into this mode, I call it project mode, where I just obsess about one thing. Uh, Last year it was renovating my studio. I built all these, you know, DIY bass traps and sound panels so that I could have this treated room and I could trust the sound coming out of my speakers. Earlier this year it was animation and Adobe After Effects. And then that required me learning like Photoshop and Illustrator so I could work all three together because I wanted to make this animated lyric video for Mess Reimagine. And this has been a great tool for me to learn. I've used it on multiple projects and even for other people. But here's the deal. When I go into project mode, I'm so hyper-focused that all of these other things like sleeping, eating, organization, um, managing other tasks, they kind of just fade to the background. And I don't set boundaries on my time. I'm just like, whatever, dude, I just need to flow in the creative zone, man. Don't put a box on me creatively. So like the projects that I'm working on, they just expand and expand. So I'm working through this. This is, this is hard for me. 
one of my favorite things about being my own boss is the freedom that I do have to manage my own time. I can take a day off. It's awesome. But that freedom without self-discipline or self-control is a train wreck. And that leads me into the next category that I would just call like creativity. You know, ideation is this concept of I have these ideas in my head, but there's a big gap between those ideas and then the execution. My ideas don't care about timing and convenience. They're just ideas. They happen in the car. They happen when I'm walking my dog. They're not organized. And so it's hard to keep them organized. And trying to gather them together and, you know, put them into execution, that's a form of stress for me. I legitimately lack the organizational system. And it's okay. I'm just confessing this. I'm not beating myself up. To carry out the ideas and goals that I have. At the beginning of this year, I created a calendar year plan to release music. I'm still stuck on the first project. Now is not forever reimagined. It was supposed to come out in March, according to my plans. It's a derivative works project of an album I put out back in 2009. Now, it's been done for two months now, but I had an issue with uh, publishing clearance, and now I'm working through the cover art. And so that's very discouraging for me personally. It's very disappointing to have a project still not released. And then just being honest with you, I think the biggest thing that stresses me out even more than making the music is coming up with a a marketing plan to release it. And I will talk about it later that I realized that I can't do this on my own. And I'm looking through some potential solutions because I, I just don't have the capacity to overcome this by myself. Okay, one category that just gets a really quick honorable mention is food and sleep. Food being the nutrients for our body and our mind, right? But it's so easy for me to just not be intentional about it. And then sleep is one of those things where I know going to bed at a certain time every night and getting up at the same time every morning, these are great for me. Now, there's been seasons in my life where I haven't been able to sleep well. And so I had to see a doctor and, you know, figure out what areas of my life were preventing me from getting sleep. But just really worth mentioning how these thrown off can play a huge role in affecting our stress. If you happen to watch Michael Phelps' interview with Mike Tirico um, during the Olympics, it was incredible to hear Michael Phelps, you know, the most decorated Olympian of all time, Uh, what, 23 gold medals, 28 overall medals. And he talked about how there's mornings where he doesn't want to get up out of bed and how serious mental health is for Olympians and for so many people. And to see someone as strong and disciplined and as unstoppable as Michael Phelps expose his weakness, it was very refreshing. But what he said was, We start with just talking about it. That's the starting point. And that kind of leads me to the next grouping. Uh, I'd like to call this mental and emotional stress. This is a tough one. Um, Right now I'm looking into the possibility of having a chemical issue in my brain. I've tried medication before and I'm totally not against it. I'd rather not have to take anything um, but I'm looking into my options to take tests and, and you know see a specialist. 
just in case if there's something going on that medication could help. Side note, I don't want to be this like mental health hypochondriac and always be self-aware and always be researching everything and trying to fix myself. But I do have friends who, you know, medication has helped them out tremendously. Here's a list of, you know, where my mental stress, some of it comes from. Um, One would be just too much information that's not being applied to my life. It's like a traffic jam. Like there's too many ideas stuck in my head that I'm not executing. Overthinking causes stress for me. I don't know how to not overthink. It's just what I do. And, um, you know, so I can work through that, but that's, I got to take note of that. Getting distracted, um, unable to focus. And the biggest thing would just be negative thinking, you know, just this overproduction of negative thoughts. And then I would say emotional stress is it can just be, you know, hurt, uh, rejection, resentment towards others, just emotions that are uncomfortable that I don't know how to deal with, especially as a man. If those are unresolved, then they do produce stress in my life. And then lastly, just a few things uh, on my list that I thought were worth mentioning. They're not really grouped together, but one of them is uh, feeling like I have to do something a certain way. You know, perfectionism. I think there's a beautiful tension in creativity and a resistance towards doing certain things. Like making beautiful art is hard, but perfectionism takes the humanity out of it. And it just creates this unrealistic situation that just is stress producing and here's a few more relationships right conflict with our friends and family or a friend or family member going through suffering Um, a lack of direction feeling lost getting older financial stress and then there's just like situational stress something as big as covid or something as small as my dog chip I I love that guy. He's incredible. He's a source of so much joy for me. But he's a dog. And let his uh, digestive routine get off track. And when I take him for a run slash walk, the entire way, he's sniffing everything, and I'm waiting for him to go, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and he's sniffing, and I'm waiting, and I'm walking. And that doesn't have to stress me out. I can choose. But... When everything is going on at the same time and I'm thinking about the day ahead and all of the things we just talked about, then something as simple as my dog not going number two stresses me out. And my last point before we move on, we stress out about things that we can't control. How much time and energy do we spend worrying about something that we don't have control over, right? If I can't accept in that moment that I don't have control over my dog's digestive system, I'm affirming or training in my brain, like my neural pathways, to worry about things that I can't control. And I'm affirming that feeling in my body of tense stress. So then what's going to happen when bigger things happen? Maybe those smaller moments are opportunities for me to surrender and accept that I'm not in control of things like I think I am. Two oddly coincidental things happened since I released my last podcast. I wasn't looking for them. I wasn't seeking them out. They met me right where I was at. 
They were completely random and separate from each other, but they both ultimately said the same thing. One made this statement of what's called the learning-doing gap, the gap between learning and doing, and the other one established the difference between knowledge and wisdom, calling knowledge information and wisdom application. Now, obviously, both of these got my attention in a major way because this is what I founded my podcast upon. I want to share both of those in detail because they come from very different places, and I thought they were hugely beneficial to hear. So I recently took an online time management course. It was a very quick and easy thing. Clearly, based on my previous share, (laughs) I need help in this area, and I'm trying to grow. But one of the resources that they referred me to was a podcast called The Science of Success, and it's hosted by a guy named Matt Bodnar. Now, in the intro of this podcast, he referred to another episode called This Is What Will Make You Finally Take Action, How to Bridge the Learning-Doing Gap. So I immediately stopped that episode and went to this other episode. He had a guest by the name of Peter Shallard, who has helped a ton of individuals grow their companies. And uh, I took a lot of notes here, but really, I just want to break it down. You can go listen to it if you want, but here are some things that really stood out to me. They talked about three groups of people. The first group are individuals who are just not naturally very curious and you know wanting to learn a bunch of new things. It's just not their thing. The second group is what you could call um, lifelong learners, but that doesn't necessarily lead to taking action. I would put myself in this group. I love learning new things, but there is a breakdown between what I learn and how I put it into practice. The third group would be a group of people who indulge in the intellectual, but it leads to taking action. Here's, here's their quote. It says, For them, self-improvement is not just an intellectual exercise, but it's a lived day-to-day reality. And they pointed out that that group of people who learn and then take action, it's a really small group. For people like me, you know, they called it like this bat cave of learning that's comfortable and we collect ideas and then we think like one day I'll implement them. But it's a false idea of ourselves, right? But here's the biggest thing that I took away from this podcast and it actually surprised me. They have scientific research on all these individuals and What it said was that a huge number of these people who are struggling, they're stuck on the learning and they can't bridge the gap over to doing. It's like 90%. And then there's only like this 10% group that are able to take action. And this is what they said. The biggest difference between those two groups is drum roll, because this was crazy. I couldn't believe this. It was isolation. It was a lack of accountability. And this is some things that they said. Plagued by isolation, doubts, and loneliness. When we try to do this alone, we play games to make ourselves accountable. And this really resonated with me, you know. Um, I think the hard part about this, for them, the application means finding an accountability coach. And I'm looking into that, but their particular one, the commit action is $300 a month. And this kind of triggered a part of me of this cycle that we go through when we want to change. The initial part is somebody identifies the problem for us and it resonates and we're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is the problem. And then we have this sense of hope and then we do the work. And then maybe at some point we come to this place 
where it's like, oh, this is going to cost me a bunch of money. Now, I'm wrestling through what my options are to get an accountability coach, but I needed to hear this part about I can't do this alone. The other random coincidence that got my attention happened on a Sunday morning at Radiant Church here in Nashville. That's the church that I attend. Now, the last example that I shared was very scientific in its roots. And up until this point, I've held off on talking about what I would consider spiritual things. I've done that intentionally. I know we've talked about mental, emotional, and physical, and that's already biting off more than I can chew. But I've held off on talking about spiritual things because it requires conversations about faith, which I'm really excited to have. But I approach it with sensitivity, knowing that we may not believe the same thing. You may have been hurt in the area of your faith, and it's something that you're wrestling with. I'm wrestling too, but I can't start a podcast and call it Help Me Find My Way without talking about what I believe and why I believe it. And I can't talk about my own faith without talking about the Bible. It's unfortunate that we're so divided as a world and just me mentioning the Bible can bring up all kinds of emotions inside of you based on your experience. If you've been hurt by religion and it's hard for you to talk about God, that's okay. Just please hear me. I started this podcast to help people no matter what their story is, what they believe and where they're from. I just want you to understand that um, I respect you, and I know that this is a sensitive topic. But the spiritual component is really one of the truest parts in me. Yet, it's something that I struggle with and have so much doubt and hurt and pain and have to wrestle through. I do believe that the spiritual component is the foundation, but sometimes we over-spiritualize things, and we can neglect the mental and physical, emotional. So that's why I want to talk about all of it together. So this is what got my attention. I'm sitting in church and my pastor, Tony Calabrese, starts teaching about a letter that James, who was Jesus's brother, wrote to the church. This was 2,000 years ago. I know it's easy to get hung up on new trends and all of this new research and new information, but there's something so wonderful about a letter that was preserved from 2,000 years ago and that I believe is still just as true today as it's always been. Here's the section of that letter that Tony was talking about. It's in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such quote-unquote wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So Tony went on to talk about how there's a wisdom that comes from heaven and there's a knowledge that can be of the earth. Knowledge isn't bad, but knowledge by itself isn't enough. He really got my attention when he said knowledge is information and wisdom is application. I sat there in my seat and I was like, I I did not know what I was going to start this podcast about when I started, but that's kind of like the foundation of it. He went on to say that knowledge is knowing the truth and wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Earthly knowledge is tied to the temporary, limited to the natural realm. 
And this wisdom that James talks about is tied into what's eternal. On my quest to deal with burnout, I've got a lot of work to do, but I don't want to be so obsessed with the worries and the cares of this world. And like Jesus said, let that choke the life out of me. As I deal with emotional, mental, and physical stress and learn how to make adjustments, I don't want to just draw from this well of information and not draw from what I believe to be the source of wisdom. The next step regarding stress is to take the list that I made and just start to come up with a plan for each one of those areas, one thing at a time. This is a process. If you made it this far, uh, thank you for for hanging with me. I want to leave you with something. I was sitting in the parking lot a couple weeks ago, and I just had this thought that I wanted to encourage you, the listener. So I recorded it in my phone, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to share the original message. You may feel alone. You may feel like nobody else can relate to what you're going through. You, You may feel like your problems and your suffering and your pain is exclusive to you and nobody can relate. Um, And I just want to say to you out loud that regardless of how strong that feeling is, that is not true. There are hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are struggling, suffering. Now, it may be unique. We all may have our own unique situation. But at the core of it all, it's, it's all kind of a, a different version of the same thing. It's, it's brokenness and pain from being in a world. And I truly believe that um, the truest form of help that we need comes from a power that we don't have. That power comes from God. It comes from Him doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. 